This morning I want you to know that when you have invited Jesus into your life, when you have come to sup with Him, when you sit with Him at the table, I want you to know that things change. They change irrevocably. Sometimes we can do things in the natural and thereby judge things by our mind. But when you suck with Jesus, know that there is a conversation that Jesus is about to unfold. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Do not judge things in your fleshly understanding. Because you have great limitations. I'll show you in Scripture what the Lord gave me this morning. The word is clear, even in the scripture that we read on Sunday, John chapter 1. The closer you get to Jesus, the more imperfections you're going to find. The closer you get to a mirror, the more things you will uncover about yourself that were hid when you couldn't see closer. And the Word continues to say that the life of Jesus is the light of men. Okay? You guys can sit. Take your seat. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. As Gabby was speaking, I tried to show Marty what I had written this morning. Because things are running parallel. I know some of you may be kneeling in the front of that uh, picture. Maybe it didn't go down well with you. But you, got, you ran too quick to judge what was happening rather than waiting to understand what is actually happening. There are changes that are about to take place in this house. And you are either going to be part of it or you're going to find yourself struggling. In Luke chapter 7, we find the Pharisee inviting Jesus to come and have a meal with him. I know the Bible says that uh, Jesus sat at meat with the Pharisees. Meat just simply means meal together. And the Pharisee was happy as long as he was the center of attraction. He was happy with Jesus that he had come to his table. He had come to sup with him. Jesus had come into his life 
and everything was looking good. He was happy and satisfied with Jesus until there was an intruder that came along. Then there was a misgiving from the Pharisee. The Pharisee represents one who has the words, he has the articulance, he has the wherewithal of, of religion. They dress in their garb, they sit at top-notch seats in the synagogues. But inside, Jesus said, they are like dry man's bones. They are graves that can only keep dry man's bones. And a test will soon come. When they will come, the word of God says, there was a lady of the city. She heard that Jesus would be at the Pharisee's house and sitting at the meal and the woman decided to leave her occupation and came to see Jesus. She came unannounced, she made no announcement, she drew no attention to herself. All she came, she began to run oil on Jesus' head. She began to crown him. She crowned him by anointing his head. And then she would go down on her knees. Obviously she began to weep. No words were spoken. Neither did Jesus answer because he was at the meal and from that meal there was a huge lesson that was about to unfold. God orchestrates things that you think, how did that happen? But God will always do that which you have not expected. Yeah. Even if you have misgiving, it has nothing to do with your misgiving. There could be somebody that needed to see and be part of what happened this morning. Yeah. Might not be a cup of tea, doesn't have to be. The Pharisee was happy as long as he was a center of attraction. Here comes this woman, she anoints Jesus' head and then she goes down on her knees and she begins to uh, uh, wash his feet with her tears. Well, it's going to cost you. You might say, well, tears didn't cost anything. Okay, hold on. Hold on to your position. Because then, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the hair on a woman is her crowning glory. There is no woman that wants to be seen in town with her scrutus that way. Not if she cares about her image. They all will spend hours, hours, doing things to their head that they might look like a six-piece. They want to look expensive. They want to look the part. 
They know that their hair is critical to their image. But she will take uh, this hair of hers. Paul will say, it is a woman's glory to have long hair. This woman will take her hair, her crowning glory, and she would uh, wipe Jesus' feet. Remember, in the days that they walked, they wore sandals. They, uh, it was uh, no tarred roads. It is a desert place. So dust is no more. That is why it was normal when you have guests, you will set water for them to wash their feet. And then when she's finished, I, I, I wrote here that uh, she wiped the dust off his feet, but I realized having her wet his feet with her tears, it was mud by now. And she forgot, she had forgotten the reality that uh, she had washed her hair in the morning. She was a lady of the town. She traded on her beauty. She brought in money by her beauty where she would go to the highest bidder. And talk about condemnation. Jesus did not say when she would then break the alabaster box and she would begin to anoint Jesus' feet. Jesus didn't say, oh, she's putting her that oil on her. Ooh, where she got money from? It didn't matter to Jesus it's because it says she was a sinner. Jesus saw her condition in the den. What she had come to do. She knew she was a sinner. She knew she did not conform to the society she was coming into. But she knew what she needed. She came to the source. She wasn't going to come around. She came to the source. And then the word says, and the Pharisee began to reason within himself. Now here he has an invited guest, a man of honor. And suddenly he is disappointed in this man that's supposed to be honorable. And he reasons, uh, in other words, uh, he ponders in himself, he uh, speaks within himself. He says, if this man, you see, Satan said, if you are the son of God. He says, if this man were a prophet, he should have known what type of woman this is. And Jesus would know. Why? Because he's about to teach a lesson to the religious folks. You're doing things differently to what I expected. I've written all down. 
not right after uh, Gabby Ministers, I've got that black pen and I've written everything in red. So, it's not an afterthought. Luke 7 verse 36, that's where we at. I wrote obviously what I've said already, is I said, know when you sit with Jesus to have a me, know that things are about to change. The thoughts of the Pharisee, the invitee, becomes doubtful of the integrity of Jesus when he sees what this woman is doing and Jesus is not ready to throw a tantrum and say, woman, you are too dirty to touch me. Jesus just sits there and he allows this woman to do what her heart dictated to her. I said all things work well, even if you look at John chapter 1. Everything works well until there is a human element to it. We are told about uh, the, uh, the Jesus uh, being the light, uh, the light, his life uh, being the light of men. We know that he was a uh, good God from the foundations of the earth, uh, that he is God. And there is always an argument about, uh, I mean, we, when we came to Jesus, we, we were stumbling on that reality that Jesus is God. He was with God. Everything that is, was because of Him. He's the activator of things. We found that very problematic in our religious understanding. But Jesus freed us from that. And Jesus understands what is going on in the man's mind. Because when it is God coming into your life, there will always be the human element that will come and want to cause doubt on what is beginning to happen in your own life. And Jesus, verse 40 says, and Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. <laughs> Simon says, thinks to himself, right, at least now he's going to show me who he really is. Because I really believed that this man was prophetic in, uh, is, uh, is, uh, in the way he sees things, but the way he behaves around people, I'm beginning to have doubts. And Jesus says, verse 41, and there was a certain creditor which had uh, two debtors. The one owed a hundred pence and the other owed fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave. Frankly means genuinely and openly he forgave them. Then both, uh, he forgave them both. Tell me therefore, which of them would love him more? 
Simon answered and he said, I suppose that to whom he forgave most. And he said to him, you, Jesus answered, he says, you have answered or you have judged the situation correctly. And he turned to the woman and he said, he turned, he looked at the woman and he says to Simon, see this woman. I entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears. She has wiped them with her hair of her head. I don't know that this is, it's a King James, uh, I don't know. It, does it say he had to? I don't know. It, it sounds like uh, people of the East. It says uh, hairs. I thought hair was just hair. It wasn't hairs. So I don't know the translators how they got that one. Anyway, she has wiped me with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil you did not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. I find this is a human tragedy that uh, we are quicker to judge uh, who is worthy and who is not worthy. We are quick to understand that if a person is of, of, of upstanding, that that person should go free because they are of good standing in society. But if the other one is not so well clued up or well known in the town, it's okay if we hold them to judgment. Let them serve time until they have paid everything. But the one that is upstanding, we are quick to find excuses for him or her and say, well, you know, they got so much to offer. Who's to say that lousy person that we have so finished condemned hasn't got anything to offer to society? We haven't given them a chance. Why? Because we believe that they are of no value. Jesus is walking and he has a whole lot of people following him. And there is a beggar on the roadside. And you might think it was a day for the blind man to shout all the more, I am blind, please come and just add to my copy. But somewhere along the line, his hearing was intent. He began to hear that uh, alongside this road is Jesus amongst 
them. And the blind man called Bartimaeus, his attitude changes. He's no more blind man needing some leftovers from you. Our blindness sometimes is not so obvious because we have our natural sight. But sometimes we are so blind in the spirit. It is only when we have our ears open to hear that Jesus is around. Blind by that he changes his tune. He begins to shout and say, Jesus, you son of David, have mercy on me. And then enters the human element. Oh, shush. Don't make a noise. Just cool it down. Jesus is walking by. And the Bible tells us that Bartimaeus shouted all the more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops the train. It says he stood still. And he said, call him. In the midst of the crowd, there was a voice that attracted his position as the one that is able to forgive. As the one whose life is the light of men. Says, call him. And the very same ones that were saying, Shall I? with you. We will take you just in case we want to hear what he says about you. Just now you were saying, shut up! Why? Because you were seeing through the human senses. Your spirit was dead. You are ready to condemn the man to stay in poverty, to stay in blindness. Jesus didn't say, how much do you need? He said, what would you have me to do? That's a decision that you and I constantly have to make before God. What would you have me to do? The blind man says, I need that which will validate me as a man. I am incomplete. Open my eyes. Jesus, are you sure, Bartimaeus? I know that in you I will be complete. Jesus will say to him, your sons are forgiven. Mm -hmm. 
sons of God. Jesus says, <coughs> all of you have a responsibility. You have the power to hold the man's life into bondage. You have the power to set the man free. Whose sins you forgive, that be forgiven. Yeah. Whose sins you would hold, yes. they will be yes. withheld. Yeah. Would you today, as a new day, as a new beginning, <coughs> Lord, I don't even know what is next? What is on your calendar? But I want you to validate me as a brand new man. I choose today to forgive all those that I have been holding in bondage. It's not only for their good. It is for your good. Sometimes we feel we have every right to hold people in bondage. And as I keep saying, and I will say it again, they will prosper. And you are going to be in bondage. You might think of forgiving them, it sets them free. But you don't know, they might have a mother, they might have a grandmother, they might have an intercessor around the corner from them who is praying for them to be set free. I am telling you, you will be dying with the anger because they are prospering. It is time to let go. Free yourself. You do not have Jesus uh, gave us uh, the choice. He said, whoever sin you would hold, they will be held in bondage. Whoever sin you forgive, they will be forgiven. But the reality is, it's for your good. For your good. I honestly believe, Church of God, this morning, that we have not sat with Jesus. I listened to a testimony of a Muslim man who came to Jesus. Through various things, if uh, uh, it's, well, only Mari's phone is clever enough to pick up these things. If she finds it, I'll share it with you. If you see a video from Hindu, you need to watch it. It's a beautiful testimony. It has opened my eyes to the reality of how I told you last week that uh, I looked at the scripture. Well, he said exactly the same thing. Only thing he didn't look at it. 
he spoke it. He says he continued being a Muslim, but inside he was a Christian. He says uh, he found uh, finally that there was something that was amiss around him. Because the way he explains uh, where, uh, the, the blockage that Muslim uh, cannot understand how Jesus can be God. How dare he die if he is this almighty, powerful God? How could he die? But we'll find it in our synergy. I just want to capture the, just a little bit of it this morning, which I think will help us to understand what we are talking about this morning. He says in the scripture he read John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he says he read it again. And he says, I suddenly realized that I understood this year with my mind. But my heart had no understanding. He says, because when I read that, I felt no compassion. I felt no appreciation. He says, I had to read it. He says, I don't cry. But he said, uh, I had to read it, and I knew the only time when I will be reduced to tears, I will know then and only then that my heart has now grabbed the reality that he who is all-powerful decided to go to demonstrate his love towards humanity, to give up all his authority, all his powerfulness, and submitted to death, because in death he could then introduce life. He says, I read John 3.16. He says, I sat at it, and beyond two hours, I began to weep. He says, then, only then, I knew that now my head and my heart had identified the very same thing. That God could only demonstrate this whole essence of who he is by dying on the cross and giving us his life because his life can only speak about love. He loved humanity that he gave himself in the most self-denying position by eliminating himself. Where the demons in hell began to rejoice and say we have overcome, we have destroyed him, but my Jesus, they did not know that in three days time, he will They didn't know that he was going to rise again. And many of them are stuck in their religion. 
not understanding the beauty of God's love. They are under the cosh of the law. And the law can only mete out punishment. It has no knowledge of forgiveness. It all it knows how to punish. And you will pay, you will pay, you will pay. But the love of God has gone before us and gave himself, took our punishment, that which was due to us, he took it upon himself. And he says, walk free. Just don't do it again. Unfortunately, hyper-grace says, you can go and sin as much as you want. As long as you come back at night and repent, God will forgive you. No, no. Bible is clear. Such behavior is like a dog going back to its vomit. Yeah. So please don't run with this hyper-grace. That everything is under grace. Everything is under grace. God is, is a law, is a, is a God of law and order. Yes. He has standards. Yes. It's not, he's not haphazard. Yes. It's not, uh, you do that today, yeah, you run off with that thing, it's okay. No, no, no. The children of God must have a standard. Yes. That's why I'm saying, the women have a standard. They do not leave their home if they are not well adorned. I know men, especially me, as long as I've got clothes on, it doesn't, they give me a hard time, match this, match that. Me, I'm, as long as my body is covered, I'm fine. But then they want to see this expensive man in town. It's good to look right. That my woman, the time they spent hours in front of the mirror. Mm -hmm. And my God, that mirror, no. The <laughs> 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 one that has a turn that say, hey, did you work well, much? But church, I am begging you, look at the word with a new set of eyes. Do not just get by with, well, I will hear what a preacher says. Do not let your, the, your, your pedestal read the Bible. You read it. Because the word has got to be in here. Because you never know when you need to pull that word out. It is the sword of the spirit. When the enemy comes, you don't know which word you need to rebuke him with. But the reality is, you can't say, well, my pastor prayed for me. You need to say, Lord, this is what your words say. I don't know the situation you might find yourself in. Look, Simon. I, I, I found it so appealing this morning. 
reveal what is in your heart. Amen. That's, that's, for me, that was a reality. Jesus took this highly esteemed Pharisee who had, uh, that's why Jesus said, uh, be away, be fully away of the the leaven of the Pharisees, their teachings, their posture, because they show you this beautiful, well-organized person, but inside, something else. They laugh with you, but when you are gone, Laughing at you, or they're still laughing with you. Be careful for those that are rolling out the red carpet, and yet they are, leading, are ready to lead you astray. Be careful. It might sound appealing for the time. You see, that's why you ought to know you have to have a relationship with Jesus. You have to have a relationship with the Word. Because therein, you will find your position spiritually. Okay? Amy, would you just come and pray? Could you stand? Let us pray. Father, we bless you. Father, we honor you. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Because truly it belongs to you. Without you we can do nothing. Without you we are a nothing. So Father we thank you that we have chosen you to serve you, to worship you and to praise you. Because you have proven yourself to us that you are the living God. There is no other besides you. Father thank you for your word this morning. Your, your, the Bible says your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it penetrates to the things that you wanted to, Father. Yes. Through bone and marrow, and it's the places that you desire. So this morning, we thank you, Father, for every heart that's bowed here this morning. Father, we have come in expectation. Because you said you would never leave us, neither would you forsake us. Yes, You're a God, Father, that is a miracle-working God. So we thank you this morning, Father. There are many here this morning that have come because they are, are in need. Yeah. There are many that are sick. There are many, Father, that need you like never before. And we know, Father, that you said if we call upon you, yes. you are able to sustain us, to fill us, to anoint us, to heal us, to protect us. And this morning, Father, we thank you for this week that's approaching us. That we that serve you will be like giants in the kingdom. Yes. Because you are in us and you are our hope of glory. We're not looking around. We're not looking back. We are looking forward. We're looking to where the cross is. And that is you, Jesus. Thank you that you have come to seek and to save humanity. Yes. Thank you this morning, God, that each one of us that is bowed here this morning are rich. Because we have you. Yes. You said that if we have you, we have everything. Yes. 
So thank you for everything that we have that is in you. So touch each one as we go this morning to our separate places, God. Fill us and anoint us for this week. Because we have challenges that come. But thank you that we are overcomers in you. You said we are overcomers in Christ Jesus who strengthens us. So we bless you this morning, especially for your word. Thank you, Dad. Thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Be glorified and be honored, God. Amen. 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 Amen.